Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. I feel now like I have to overcome your massive disappointment over the SpongeBob movie. Eh, not really. Not hey, anymore, back, I guess. The back corner office guy's weeping. <laughs> Now that wouldn't surprise me. Oh, I lost SpongeBob. <laughs> All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. You go online, too, at sunburymotors.com. Check out the great lines they have Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, pre-owned inventory. You can get the buying process started all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, our play-by-play call of the day. It's a beauty. It's Talladega yesterday. The NASCAR Cup Series, lone black driver. After what happened here yesterday afternoon. The driver's led by reigning Cup Series champion Kyle Busch in green, and their crews. The entire garage area has rallied around Bubba Wallace and the number 43 today. Here comes Almirola, crash into the wall. I think it's Stenhouse, it might be Blaney. It was Blaney who won yesterday. Mike Joy with the call on Fox. An emotional beginning and exciting finish. You know, it's a warm day out today, Matt. It's uh, up in the uh, 80s here. Let's see, what is the actual temperature here? Let's check this out. We have 81 degrees here. Hmm. 81 degrees. Probably about the same where you are, right? I would say so. Meanwhile, safely ensconced in the western part of the state, and I might admit to the audience, poolside is Neil Kulong. Neil, welcome. It's a gorgeous day, gentlemen. I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying it. I bet you are. <laughs> the, the paleness of my skin can attest to how, how seldomly I get out. Listen so to... I'm going to probably burn myself to a crisp here as I'm on, uh, on kid duty. Uh, I've got to watch the, the neighborhood kids here. I can hear them in the background. Yeah, I told them to be quiet, and they're not going to no, do that. No, so. I don't want them quiet. <laughs> yeah, you really, you no, really can't do that. No, game. I just excuse me. Five children, six grandchildren. Guess what? You do tell them to run around, yell, and scream at them all they want. Okay, because it doesn't bother this guy, not in the least. Not well, in good. the least. I got, no, I love. I got it. a good place for you then. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I was coming over to help. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you and everybody else. <laughs> Uh, I want to say that the Paternos. I want to. The Paternos may have as many as seventeen grandchildren, something like that. Big number. I remember years ago somebody was asking Joe about about the grandkids. He mentioned all the grandchildren were there for something, 
and and he said he says yeah you got to remember I always have an office <laughs> in the house you know office in the house like most of us do now we all in the office escape in the house. path yeah the escape path indeed all right so here we are sitting on June the twenty third about a month from now maybe what what five weeks from now there'd be a universal opening of camps but there'll be four teams that'll be open now because they're playing the earlier games all right do they start on time um I, I, unfortunately not to sound like a lawyer but i think what this will eventually come down to is what you want to define starting i think they're going to start something i think they'll end something else i think they'll have different variations of things in between i i don't this is going to be the least conventional uh setup that we've seen <laughs> the least conventional everything we've ever seen that's, yeah i mean that's it, 2020 it, the least conventional year of all they will have created something that on this day we can't really envision happening that's my honest to god guess i i really think it, it's just going to be there's so much stuff going on and we're not going to know anything of it in, in many ways nothing has really changed since march i mean it, it, it's things got shut down they opened back up and amazingly sitting in our house didn't get rid of any of this it's going to be out there still um and we don't have any way to 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 get past it so we're going to have to find different um i don't know solutions is the right word but they're going to need to find different ways to get ready for the season if they want to start this in late july and there's a lot of politics that are gonna you know have to be kind of argued out and, and determined between now and then so i think they're going to start something because i think the nfl is bullheaded enough to say we're going to be the one sport here that didn't have a a stoppage in any way we're going to be the ones that want to continue the way that we have been doing it they won't want to stop that they won't want to let go of that so i i think whatever it looks like um maybe it's fan friendly maybe it isn't but They'll be organized, but I don't think it's going to be anything that looks like the, the training camp situation that we've seen in the past. Today they had a virtual meeting with the media, and Mike Tomlin did acknowledge that two Steelers players did test positive for COVID back in the spring. Now that's in the spring. said neither player was in the facility and that both players are currently in good health and preparing for the upcoming season. I mean, Neil, it's, it's going to happen, and it's, it, in all likelihood it's going to happen, and it's probably going to be in the asymptomatic because there's more. Everybody's going to be tested repeatedly. Yeah, I mean, there's really no other way around it. I, for for me, it's it, it, if anything, right now is is a, a reason for the league to sit down and wonder: Do they need to come up with some type of new mandate for roster expansion? Are uh, our, our teams going to be able to hold on to the full 90 guys that they have all year? You look at what's happening in college. I mean, LSU, Clemson, other schools have 20-some players who have eventually tested positive and had to be put in the quarantine. Whatever those exact numbers are, I'm not sure, but that's a large percentage of your team. Um, and, and an NFL roster could not handle that. Uh, in training camp, they, they can hold 90, but you, if one guy comes down with it, which, come on, let's be honest, it, statistically that's going to happen that could infect a bunch of other guys and they're all together all right 5.3 percent is the testing number yeah so you look at that right there that's a large chunk of your training camp roster i think john harbaugh uh, said this fairly recently he spoke to the media um what, what exactly are they supposed to do there's no way they can quote socially distance in a locker room no. you're gonna have waves of people that go in and out and shower i mean there, there's no way that they can do it uh in in the manner that 
would be best, most ideal, most efficient for them to do it to, to get the work in that they need to. And I think the players are aware of that, and they're going to push back and say, look, this isn't even training camp. We don't even know what this is. This is going to be something that falls under our negotiating rights in the CBA. Right. We're going to have to sit down and talk about what this is exactly. And I think, you know, when, when Cam Hayward spoke recently, uh, I think he kind of hinted at it. And I don't, maybe you guys can help me with this. I, I didn't even look it up. I was going to, but I, I would kind of. I would have thought uh, Hayward would replace Ramon Foster as the team's union rep. I'm not sure when they elect that or when that yeah. uh, when that comes to be, but he certainly would be in the mix. Yeah. You know, if, if he's not speaking on behalf of the union, he's definitely speaking on behalf of the team. He's a captain and has been for years. Uh, he, he was very pointed in his comments. It didn't sound to me like he was real optimistic. Uh, if things were going to continue. Um, forward with what we're seeing right now. And I think the NFL was waiting to see what would happen when more things reopen, uh, and hopefully for them, when more sports reopen. If you get the NBA, if you get the NHL, um, it, seeing kind of how they're handling and what the results are, I think will we'll go a ways with the NFL um, in, in figuring out how they're going to handle it long term. Well, they're going to take the right tackle and make him the uh, left guard. Uh, with Ramon Foster. And then they're going to have uh, Zach Banner and uh, Okafor compete for the old right tackle spot. What do you think about those moves? I, I, I think they signed Banner to a one-year deal, and they probably tried to get a team-friendly deal out of him. They probably tried to get something like three years, six million, while his stock was low knowing that he's the guy that they're going to want to be their right tackle in the future. I think he knows that as well. He's made hints about it in the media, um, kind of saying that he's betting on himself. Uh, he took a very small one-year deal because the team could offer him a one-year deal, and I think that was the leverage that they had over him. They know what he's capable of doing. They've, they've developed a lot of really good offensive linemen. I think he's the next one for them. I think he's going to be their starting right tackle. Um, he's just trying to drive his price up uh, for, for when he would hit free agency next year. And I think it'll work. I mean, what we've seen of him to this point, he's athletic. Um, he's advanced well throughout the team. I mean, he used to be a nobody. Uh, he got himself into, you know, a, a prime backup spot last year. And that tends, for, for the Steelers, that tends to be a future starter. So I think he's aware of that. And he's ready to, to you know, kind of take over uh, that spot of the line. It really is kind of a, a passing of the torch. I mean, if you look yeah. back, a lot of the old faces we've seen in the Steelers' offensive line, it feels like it was just yesterday. You had a completely new crop of guys. Uh, they've since come through, played really well, retired, or went on to uh, considerably more greener pastures. And I, I think uh, Banner is next in line to, to pick up on that. Uh, Filer as well. I think Filer is a guy that they want uh, at a guard spot. They've, they've worked him at guard until they had a need for him to tackle. And I, I thought he availed himself pretty well last year. Yeah. He's, he's a solid player as well. So uh, they're they're able to get both of them in on on fairly cheap contracts, yeah. and it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be real interesting. I I thought right. they would emphasize uh, the offensive line a little bit more than they did in this draft. They they don't have a tackle except for Chuck's uh, core four signed yeah. beyond this season. So I, I don't know what they're going to do. They have options. It's not a panic situation for them, but I think they hope. Um, on on letting this training camp kind of be their their blueprint for the future, and they might not get it. So they might have to go on, you know, a little bit of unknown information, uh, lesser known information than they might have been comfortable with before making a, a decision uh, on a roster spot. But that's every team in the NFL now, and that's, I think that's right. going to be kind of the, the story of the NFL moving into this decade. Uh, plus, they still have Stefan Wisniewski, who can give them some versatility there too. Uh, yeah, he's a good depth signing for that very reason. You know, yeah. it gives them that veteran backup that they've always had in that spot. 
who could play guard or center. Uh, Javarn Hargrave, all right, gone Eagles. So who gets the first shot there? You know, I, I think Chris Warmly, the guy that they, they acquired via trade with Baltimore, um, I say that because it's not typical that the Steelers and Ravens would make trades with each other, but they also play defense similarly. Um, and I know that the Steelers really valued Wormley as a mid-round pick uh, when he was coming out a couple years ago. So I, I think he's a guy that they're going to want that they're going to want to uh, emphasize early on. The question is, how much is that position going to be utilized? I think you, you get Hargrave on the field because he's Hargrave. I mean, you could see going into last sure. season, this guy's a high-level player. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if that's Wormley yet. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that you know he's going to fill in that role very nicely but i also think that the role was kind of customized to be uh you know hargrove <laughs> excuse me hargrave uh, for that position i you know with wormley in baltimore i think he played fairly well in a low number of snaps they had probably a little bit deeper of a defensive line um he, he's somebody who could probably get the job done and he's the veteran that didn't cost him a whole lot uh fifth round draft pick doesn't seem to be right. something the team really prizes anymore so uh, they acquired what they think is, is uh, you know, call it a starter because he might take the first snap of the game, but I don't think he's going to play more than 12 to 15 snaps a game right. either. So it depends on what they want to do, but I, I would say that they brought him in to at the very least be a stopgap um, and see what happens to him long term. He's, he's athletic. Um, he's going to need to put on some weight, but I, I think he can play along uh, the, the high-end athleticism that they have along that line. Uh the Raiders' new stadium in Las Vegas uh, cleared a major hurdle this week. There are 297 restrooms, 1,430 toilets, and they turned on the water at, at all the sinks, and the flush test worked. That stadium is now exponentially ahead of the Oakland Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> just probably why they ran that test, test right away. That's oh. a PR move. Oh, <laughs> that that stadium. Oh my God, that was that was really something else. I mean, I, I've I've covered a game at Oco and I've covered a game at at the old Fawcett Stadium. Um, <laughs> it, 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 I forget what they renamed it now, uh, Benson Stadium in Canton, which is really a kind of a lower end yes. high school stadium. Yes, Canton probably step for step was the same as Oco. It was just smaller you know yeah. it, it's oh that stadium was that was an absolute disaster i mean well, regardless it, of where you stand with using city funding for for a stadium that place was a mess I mean, nobody the, wanted to go there the oakland a's had sewage backups <laughs> that was a consistent I mean, problem it, it's <laughs> not good when your minor league teams have better septic systems yeah, the septic system, because that's, you know, something the fans should be talking about. You know, anytime the, the, those two words come up, it's a negative conversation, you know. Well, I have the best septic system in the league. We always said that. It, it's, it, that. That place was an absolute hole. I mean, it, it, they're, they're much better off in any other city than playing there. I understand why they ended up moving. Um, it's frustrating to see. I, I like the history of Oakland. Yeah. You know, I, I like the Oakland Raiders. I don't like the Los Angeles Raiders a no. whole lot. It just sounds better in Oakland. Um, hey, we'll, we'll see with Vegas, you know. <laughs> Nothing else. They could give them a shiny new stadium. It looks cool. It looks looks real, you know, from an architectural standpoint. It looks awesome from the outside. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll be a draw, you know. We'll, we'll see if they can uh, figure out a way to put a winner on the field. You know, they're, they're moving in some sort of direction. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's yeah. the best they could be just yet, but – 
they kind of they kind of counted on a certain wide receiver to be working in year two right now, and yeah, that didn't work out so well. So yeah. they had a good draft. They had a good draft. You know, the, the guys that they brought in, I think, are going to be players. Um, I mean, from they the can figure from, out the quarterback position. Right. Yeah, I mean, from the air, it looks like one of those uh, uh, vacuum cleaner robots. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, it totally does. Uh, but I will say this, right? You don't have to close down the stadium because like they did in October 2016 when it was flooded with undesirable <laughs> it's funny I was just while I'm doing a podcast with a, a 49ers show uh, today or tomorrow I forget it, it, the, the point is we're, we're going to discuss the 2011 Steelers game at Candlestick oh. uh, when the lights went out <laughs> oh yeah I remember that night the storylines that, that went into that game are actually pretty remarkable. That, that was a, an up-and-coming 49ers team. It was like the first time they'd been on prime time in however long. Yep. And the lights go out right after halftime. <laughs> this is in the process of them building their new stadium in Santa Clara and everything. But Ben's hurt in that game. He plays poorly. turns the ball over four times. Steelers defense, which had been good all year, statistically probably a lot better than what you had ever looked at them being that season. And maybe it was because, you know, the, the previous year they were a turnover machine and, and went to the Super Bowl. But it really kind of a changing of the guard game. But the main thing I always take away from that is that hour-long delay because the lights in the entire stadium just mm-hmm. went out. You really, well, you really don't see that much. Well, with the 49ers, you do. Uh, because of the Super Bowl, <laughs> where we still think Jim Harbaugh turned out the lights. I still can't believe that. I, uh, four throws. I mean, you, you've got Colin Kaepernick. Say what you will about the guy physically. Run you know the that ball. he can move. Run. Ray Lewis's tongue was on the ground. Run. I, I mean, couldn't believe he didn't run him one time. I, I would have at least tried the run, but if nothing oh. else, get Kaepernick out on the edge. Yes. Get his legs moving. Make them commit somewhere. Give him a run-pass option. Let the 6'5", 230-pound athlete get to the pylon if yes. you have to. If you don't want to hand it off and, and run behind probably the best run-blocking offensive line in the league, and then you run, run the ball. Instead, what are you doing? You're throwing fades to Michael Crabtree. I mean, <laughs> How does that look now in uh, retrospect? Oh, oh, what a mess. What a mess. That was frustrating. And, of course, he's screaming for holding calls after the gather. Yeah, they're going to call that in the Super Bowl with 10 seconds left in the game. Can't win the Super Bowl. Can't beat Ohio State. Can't win in Beaver Stadium. Okay. There's just a long list. <laughs> okay. Lots of problems there. Lots, lots of great stuff between the 20s, but you get inside the red zone, he's not putting it home. Yeah, no. That's his career. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the party toned down. Yeah, they moved over to a different corner now. I'm not sure what is going on, but... <laughs> you better find out. <laughs> yeah, this might, this might be trouble for me. They might, they might be breaking into the stuff that's behind the the uh, the container that they have over there. There's all the pool toys and everything like that. I think they're digging in to get it all out, but that's all stuff that I have to clean up. I wish I could send you a picture, because you know those, those big, long, like, 10-foot pool skimmers? Yeah. That you know, you clean up the lid. That's currently sitting at the bottom of the shallow end right now. That's a new development. <laughs> that happened since we were on the floor. <laughs> the thing that we use to get things out of the pool is so in one the of pool. them dropped their mask. It's there, five feet down at the bottom. Yeah, they used the, the pool skimmer to get it. And they dropped the pool skimmer. So the pool skimmer is sitting next to the mask right now. <laughs> that's great. Oh, now we're gonna figure that out. Glad to be of some sort of assistance today. <laughs> 
I'll hit you up offline here and let you know how it goes. Thanks. I appreciate it's that, Neil. Smack dab in the middle, man. I don't even know how they got it there. But. That's what makes them kids, man. That's what makes them kids. Yeah. They do things you sit yeah. back on. I don't know how you did that. Indeed. Tumbling. We'll talk next week, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, good, thanks good, for having me, guys. Good luck. This is something for you, Matt Catrillo, to look forward to. I was just thinking to. that. <laughs> I could see that little ringleader, Luke Joseph, leading the other kids and the pool skimmers at the bottom, and you're asking yourself, how did he get there? <laughs> little Luke's face mask is sitting at the bottom. How did he get there? This will be your story. <laughs> Part of our story is taking a break. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, key routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Check out the great lines of Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, and great pre-owned inventory. All at sunburymotors.com. You can get the buying process from the comfort of your own home. Very pleased to have with us Bob Pockress, Fox NASCAR reporter. Bob, welcome. I hope you and yours are safe and sound and doing well. Thank you very much. Hope everyone there is well, too. I appreciate that. All right, so let's talk about what happened with Bubba Wallace. Uh, yesterday weekend, uh, our, first of all, there are cameras in the garages, correct? <laughs> it's a great question. There, there normally are. And I think the question is, this Talladega garage area was just re was just built in uh, last summer and so there's a huge fan area and you and, it, and fans can actually virtually go and I mean they can look in the garage they can uh, you know they're just separated by a fence so we think that there should be some security cameras there but with no fans they may not have been they not may not have been active and then the other issue is that NASCAR typically brings a lot of cameras with them, sets them up uh, for areas that, where they do inspections and other areas in the garage just to monitor, to make sure there's no nothing crazy going on no, in, in the garage. But, ever, but because of their COVID-19 protocols, they've had fewer people at the track, and it's my understanding that a lot of those cameras haven't been used uh, over the last five or six weeks. You would think if they had camera footage of of the news in Bubba Wallace's garage that that they would have um, possibly have taken action already against the person who did it. I was going to say, it'd be, if there were cameras like that, you would think there would be an open and shut case. Uh, I know Willie T. Ribs was interviewed last night. He said he's not surprised by any of this. Are you surprised by it? You know, it's, it's a great question. Um, the I was I was 22 years old, standing on the grid in Indianapolis when Willie T. Ribs made, you know, became the first black driver to 
to to make it into the Indy 500, and you think, man, you know, this is progress. And now, 29 years later, you, you see this and you say, well, how much progress have have we made as a society? Um, it's I'm I'm surprised, just mainly because this is an area that. Uh, that's so controlled at the moment because of COVID-19. NASCAR screens everybody who goes in. They have them fill out forms. They're, they're showing be 800 or 900 people there. You're talking the crews, uh, NASCAR officials, EMS, uh, you know, some, some vendors who do parts and pieces for the teams and, you know, and, and, you know, some track uh, security and some track cleaning people. So, in that sense, I'm surprised, but you know, look, you you know that in in this that we still have a ways to go in society. Which, of course, there was the Confederate flag flown over Talladega. Uh, first of all, what did you think about NASCAR's ruling on the Confederate flag? And, in your opinion, what is the reception to it? Well, I, you know, I think when all the drivers create a video a couple of weeks ago about how they are going to advocate for a change and take a stand against racism and racial inequality, and NASCAR president, you know, says the same. He says the sport has to change. The country has to change. But when the next day, when Bubba Wallace comes out and says, "Well, NASCAR needs to ban the Confederate flag," I don't, I don't know that NASCAR had much choice, right? Because if they don't mm-hmm. do something, then their words just are totally hollow. And and so, you know, they, I felt like that that they pretty much, you know, they knew that they were going to have to take action. This was probably one of the actions they planned on taking. Uh, maybe it came sooner than what they had planned, but I think there was something that they knew they were, they had to do, and they knew that there was going to be um, be people who were upset. You know, uh, I believe a group called the Sons of Confederate Veterans has taken a responsibility for flying the flag. Um, outside of you know over the track in the few hours before the race was scheduled to be run uh, you know there were some you know group of uh, you know maybe a couple dozen protesters standing outside track grounds uh, over the weekend but uh, you know look NASCAR NASCAR knew that was going to happen they know they are going to you know that that they're gonna there's gonna be a time where they're gonna have to ask somebody uh, to re- to remove the flag and and they'll be tested on whether you know what hap- what do they do if this person refuses do they make them take down the flag do they just evict them uh, Im- immediately you know they have all those all those things they need to decide and then you're talking about also people wearing shirts and hats and and, and belt buckles and those kinds of things and and how will NASCAR react I think is still in some ways to be determined. So let's talk about how NASCAR reacted yesterday. How powerful a moment, in your opinion, was the support behind Bubba Wallace before the race began? Well, it was the ultimate. You know, we've got we've got your back moment, right? It was the ultimate. You know, look, we we um, we, we we support you, and uh, you know, one of the drivers uh, said today that you know, Bubba Bubba said to them all, "I, I know half of you love me and half of you hate me, but I, I'm appreciative of y'all." Um, supporting me, you know, 
<laughs> typically, yes, like any race car driver, you have you have your friends and you you have the people yeah. who you've gotten into run-ins on the racetrack, and and they have differences of opinion. But I think it showed that uh, that 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 the drivers have a power when they when they are united, and that they can. Um, and that they can uh, speak as as a group. You know, there's just so few of them. There's 40 of them, and and typically they don't agree <laughs> on a lot. But you know, when when one of when when someone does something in your home, which is their garage area, yeah. they it, it's it's not just something that's against. Uh, I mean, obviously it's focused on Bubba, but it's it's a signal to all of them. And and I think that, that I think they reacted. Um, you know, in, in a way that uh, that they wanted to show their support, and they wanted to show that uh, that the, for lack of a better term, the idiots are not going to win. Bob, I, I I believe what they let some fans into Homestead, correct? Uh, military. Yeah, they let uh, some fans into Homestead, a few thousand into Talladega, uh, but then no fans, obviously, for Pocono in the next few weeks. Until right. they'll have some fans at uh, at Texas. Okay. Has there been any indication about their comfort level with doing this? Are they getting more comfortable with the possibility, or are they still about the same as they were a month ago? Um, I, I think NASCAR is comfortable with having fans. They, they want to have fans. Uh, I think it's a matter of the states that they are in and and what's permissible and what's not. And I don't think uh, you know I. I, I I get the feeling that if, if uh, you know, you know whatever whatever the states will allow them to do, they'll do. You know, in, in Texas, they haven't even set a certain amount of fans that they can have in there because they want to be able to seat families together. So, you know, so they won't really know how many seats they have available until they know. Like, well, are we talking about groups of two, or you know, will we have some groups of eight? And obviously, if you uh, if you can have eight people together, and then the next group six feet apart, you can have more people than if it's just you know two two people together six feet apart, another two people six feet apart, another two people. What has impressed you about the restart to this season? I would say that uh, what, what's impressed me is the is is the is that the racing has probably been a little bit better than I expected. You know, I, I just I I thought that the, the the big teams would just r- run away with these races because of the resources they have. But you've been able to see uh the Richard Childress racing teams, uh and, and you know, and they have an alliance with Richard Petty Motorsports, uh and, and Bubba Wallace and you know, you've seen the the two R C R cars and Bubba's car have run pretty well and over the last month, so I think I think to me that's that's the that's the kind of the most impressive thing is that it hasn't just been, you know, a case where well you know the big teams always have the advantage. You know, at Martinsville you saw most of the Gibbs cars except for Truex who won, you know, had had awful days. So uh, so I think that that's, that there's something to be said. You know, when you don't have practice, that you know there are going to be teams that are going to uh, going to hit on the setup, and then their teams are going to miss. And while most likely it'll be the big teams that that do uh, come through in the end, uh, there's still a little bit more of a uh, kind of a, you know kind of a little bit more of a roll the dice factor. Are there any differences? Like, is any team 
a little bit better now than before the stoppage, where yeah, they're kind of going along okay at the stoppage, but now they're racing a lot better. Who might that be right now? And then at the other end, who's actually fallen back a bit from the early yeah. part of the season to the stoppage? Yeah, I think uh, the, the the latter is is, is is easier to talk about because you look yeah. at a guy like Kyle Busch, uh, yep. just hasn't. He's a guy who loves, who, who just thrives on having practice and being able to make those small changes to make his car great for Sundays, and he just hasn't had that. Uh, I think on the on the other end, you know, you look at a rookie like Tyler Reddick. He doesn't really know what he's supposed to feel. He just goes out and races, <laughs> and so I think you know that. Uh, he's like, okay, I, I'm not. He's not looking for anything specific. So, uh, so he, so he kind of thrives in this uh, in this environment. And and it'll be interesting to see in in, in Pocono this weekend. I would expect Kyle Busch to be much better on Sunday than he is on Saturday because he's going to have about 325 miles, uh, quote unquote, practice on Saturday for Sunday. While Tyler Reddick, he might not be able to point his team into what improvements they need to make for Sunday. But you know what? Sometimes, well, look, I think experience makes such a big difference, but there is something to be said for, yeah, well, okay, <laughs> let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just go. I have no problem with that. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you when you look at, at the state of the sport right now, how important is not just this year, because they got back first but how important is next year to set the sport up for the future because they've wanted to make so many good faith changes yeah well i think it all depends on what type of schedule changes they can make because you know originally they were hoping to debut this new next gen car in 20 um in 2021 but they've had to push that debut back to now 2022 uh but you know they, they do hope to have you know, a different schedule, hope to have a few different racetracks. They've already announced that, uh, that they're going to go to Nashville uh, Super Speedway for a race, take a race from Dover and, and move it there. So I think it really depends on wh- what new markets they can go to and what type of, uh, you know, wh- what type of racing they can put on in those facilities, you know, especially like if they do a street course or a different road course or a new short track, uh, you know, what, what, who, who might thrive in, in those, in those situations. I have to ask one last question. Now, growing up, when I'd watch racing, you would get in the car and the first one to get to 500 miles, 400 or in Charlotte, 600 mm-hmm. wins. I'm not quite on board with the stage deal. How do you feel about that? I I like the stage deal because I feel like it, it creates an urgency in the race. Okay, I, I feel like that it uh, you're like okay, these guys have something to race for in the first uh, fifty or sixty laps, and I like time to go get snacks. So <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like stages for 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 all those all those things, and um, you know and. Uh, it, it, it can be frustrating, but you know the the, the other point of stages is you know that the, it, it creates a break. 
they, they take at, m at most races, you know, you'll have a couple of laps of caution, which I know frustrates people, but it's a time for, it's time for commercials. And, and it's a way for, you know, us on, on Fox and FS1 when we're showing races to potentially show more green flag racing. And, you know, and, and so I think that, I think, I think that's a plus. Uh, again, I know, you know, look, if you've been watching racing all your life, you're like, why are we just stopping the race? It just doesn't make sense. But, um, but I, I, I haven't had a, I, I liked it. And, um, and, uh, I, I've, I've, again, I think it's just, it's created an urgency during a race that, that I think, uh, creates, um, creates, uh, creates some interest. And certainly it works at some tracks and, and not as much as, as others. Well, let me put it this way. I also feel you talk about green green uh, flag racing. I I felt like so far in the restart, there's been more green flag racing than I've seen in a long time. The racing's been pretty good. Hey, Bob, yep. thanks so much. I really appreciate the time you gave us today and uh, the insight you gave us as well. Really appreciate it. All right, thank you, and looking forward to uh, seeing some racing at Pocono. Yeah, absolutely. On the old trioval. Looking forward to it. Bob Popras joining us from. Fox NASCAR. We will come back with more in a moment and wrap up this broadcast extravaganza as only we can on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Unfortunately, as much fun as I had talking with Bob, and I thought Bob was great, evidently somebody in the back corner office timed out the interview, and now we have to have an equal-time IndyCar interview that goes 13 minutes and 42 seconds. Is that right? I, I don't get it. I mean, this isn't a political campaign. <laughs> you know, it's not like we had a Democrat on. We have to give a Republican equal time. I mean, that's... But evidently, he, he wants more IndyCar coverage. And if we have NASCAR on, we have to have IndyCar on for the exact same time. We still got a couple weeks yet, even. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Next week. It is next week. Yes. Yeah. Is it the Saturday, the 4th? Uh, I believe so. I'm not 100% positive. I'd have to ask him. I think it's the 4th, and I think it's an indie. 
It is. Yeah, it's it's the road course portion of Indy, and that's and that's apparently an Indy NASCAR doubleheader because NASCAR is going to be there on Sunday for the Brickyard 400, and the Indy car is Saturday. So yeah, Indy car is Saturday. I just answered my own question. <laughs> I forgot no. that NASCAR is going to be there after Pocono. Just uh, when I was running out of reasons to live, you give me that. All right, so. Um... <laughs> really, a NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader. Okay. There you go. That's what we needed. Right now, we have to have an IndyCar interview the exact same length. Do me a favor. Forget we had this conversation. <laughs> what conversation? That's exactly right. That's my man right there. Oh, I can't believe it. Good suit light to work on it. Although I, uh, I really enjoyed that race yesterday. I think that was the best of the year. I think any NASCAR fan would agree with me. See, I thought it was on in the evening. And, of course, you know, when it came time to start watching anything here, we had a torrential downpour. and We had a lightning strike that was very close. To the house. Oh, yesterday, right after the show, like, like, so uh, we turned a lot of things off. Um, <laughs> so there we go. But yeah, that's uh, that was good. Neil was on and. Great to have him on today. Andrew Brandt today. Bob Pachris today. No IndyCar today. I'm not helping myself, am I? Probably not, but that's okay. Well, great to have you with us today, as always. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 